Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting Podcast. Visit our website at www.oalaig.org where you'll find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Michael. Hello everybody, I'm Michael, I'm a compulsive overeater. Hi Michael. I thank God for my abstinence and my sobriety every morning I get up, I get on my knees and I thank God for the way my life is today. So uh, this, uh, this room is a very special room for me, a very special meeting because this is where it all started. This is where this unbelievable journey started for me and it was actually about three years ago I'm not sure if it was three years ago tonight but it was three years ago uh, February 2008 I found my way to this meeting and I came in and it was a day like today it was cold and it was wet and um, I weighed over 300 pounds and I was hopelessly addicted to food and my life was in a very very dark place and um, I walked in through that door and uh, the meeting was very very packed and um, I sat right in the back row there and I was so ashamed of the way I looked and I sat on the chair and I was covered in sweat because walking up a flight of stairs was very, very hard for me. And um, I sat in the chair and the chair started squeaking and I thought this chair's going to give under me. <laughs> and uh, I was just so ashamed I didn't talk to any of you and, um, you know, life was, uh, life was just not really bearable at that time. I just remember thinking... Um, I felt better at the end of the meeting and I thought maybe I found what I've been searching for just about all my life and I had and that was a miracle and I'm very grateful you're going to hear a lot of gratitude from me tonight because there's people in this room that really have helped me a great deal my first two sponsors are in the room Mickey and I plucked up the courage uh, after about four weeks of coming here to go and speaking to Mickey because I heard his accent that was the only reason why I went over to him actually <laughs> just kidding I'm just kidding and, uh, he, he, was, he was very kind to me and Walter who, who pulled me out of a very dark hole and uh, there's a lot of other people in this room that I owe a lot to Jeffrey my friend I meet him every Thursday and I, I complain to him about my job and all the other things going on in my life and he never judges me and, and uh, there's a couple of people from my, my Sunday meeting over in West Hollywood that helps me a great deal so um, Lucy thank you very much for asking me to speak tonight and like I say I'm going to tell you a little bit about what it was like because uh, it's important to hear the pain that I was in. But I'm going to talk about the solution because that's why I come to Overeaters Anonymous. I came back in these rooms to get my life back and boy have I got it back because today my life is incredible. I am living in that fourth dimension that it talks about in the big book. You know, I weigh 180 pounds today and, um, you know, I'm, I'm very fit. Um, I'm a lot more emotionally stable than I was. Um, I don't have any obsession to drink alcohol. I mean, I'm an alcoholic as well. I can't say that my obsession to overeat has left me because it hasn't. I wouldn't be telling you the truth, you know. But let me tell you a little bit about what it was like. Before I do that, this afternoon's been quite a painful afternoon for me. Um, I'm doing my fourth step again. And um, my, my sponsor now has is, is really got me digging deep into it and uh, writing a lot and, and digging into it and... Uh, you know, I've had to pray for the willingness to do this because it's bringing up a lot of pain. 
and um, I've got to go back and look at all the things that you know brought me to the point of destruction, self-destruction, and you know I can remember when my eating disorder started. I, I can actually remember it. I grew up in an alcoholic home, uh, very chaotic. Uh, it was very abusive, and um, my father was an alcoholic. My brother, my sister, and. Uh, I remember when I was about seven years of age, I would be, I'd be lying in bed on a Friday. It was always a Friday night, and I'd be waiting for my father to come in from the pub. And um, it was just absolute fear waiting for him to come back, because I knew my mother would be getting it. Uh, and um, what I used to do is I used to sneak downstairs and, and uh, get chocolate and cookies and milk and go up to my room and under my covers I'd make a little den and I'd eat under the covers and uh, that would make me feel better and that's where it all started and I've used food just about my whole life to kind of keep me from pain and fear and uh, the food helped me a lot actually it got me through a lot of things but it had devastating effects and you can see them in this, uh, in this album here it took me up and above beyond 300 pounds and um, you know I I couldn't go on three years ago I just couldn't go on I was just so ashamed this is what it was like I was so ashamed of the way I looked you know I'd get out of bed in the morning and I'd get in the shower and I just couldn't look in the mirror you know this this huge obese man and you know I was kind of like a trapped in this body you know and I just it, what, that wasn't the worst of it the worst of it was the loneliness you know because I was just I, I ate on my own all the time and and you know, I would, on a Friday and a Saturday night, you know, I'd live in Pasadena, I'd just drive to diners and eat on my own, and just, uh, you know, just be on my own all the time, and um, it was just, it, it, it was such isolation, and just, I never felt a part of anything, I always felt on the outside, and yet I had this big smile on my face all the time, and I was a, a very good, uh, very good actor, you know, to the outside world, but inside the pain was terrible. You know, and uh, I'm in AA as well, and, and, you know, a lot of al alcoholics say to me, yeah, you know, the food doesn't take you to places like alcohol does, you know, you don't get in a car and knock somebody over and kill them. Food took me to a really dark place, much worse than alcohol, for me. And uh, I used the alcohol to stop eating, but the food took me to just really very horrible places, you know. It, it just, it stopped me living. You know, I just wasn't in the game of life. You know, I mean, when you're 300 pounds, you're not going to attract a nice girlfriend. You're not going to get the job that you want. Um, you're not going to meet the people that you want to meet because you're on your own in a diner. Or you're sitting at home, stuffing your face. I mean, these things, you just cut yourself off from, from life. You know, and living life. And um, I just had had enough. I'd hit my bottom three years ago. And I came here and I found a miracle in these 12 steps I found a miracle but the greatest thing I found was a living God in my life here today that God's with me right here and now and so how do I how have I, how have I overcome this how have I lost this weight how do I maintain this weight and how do I maintain a, a daily happiness how have I done that well there's two things that work in my life this living God this loving living God that's in my life and the 12 steps of recovery and that's the structure that shows me how to live in the day that I'm in. This is the way I've been taught and this is the way I, I live my life today. And so I am going to talk a lot about the steps and I'm going to talk a lot about steps one, two and three because I apply those steps every single day and I'm going to talk a little bit about how I use them 
when I'm facing a lot of stress and fear. I can't say to you that the fear has left me, because it hasn't. There is fear in my life, not every day, but in a lot of times there is fear. For 39 years I lived in fear. So it's very hard to wipe away all that fear in three years of, of program. You know, this is a, a lifetime thing that I'm, I'm working on at the moment. But I want to talk about the solution. So, steps one, two, and three. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. And, uh, you know, I am totally powerless over food, and I'll tell you how, right? I'm supposed to be meeting a friend tonight and going to a nice restaurant, catching a movie. And uh, I thought, no, I don't want to drive to the valley tonight. I just want to go to the meeting, I'll see a couple of friends, and then I'll go home. And I'll get something really nice on the way home. You know, something from Whole Foods, and I'll just, you know, I'll go and watch a, a, a movie at home. And all of, all of a sudden, my mood just lifted, because I was thinking about the food, right? And going home and eating this food. You know, now, it would have been a healthy option, because I do eat healthfully today. But it's just that thought, and it's never left me, that kind of thought. But I don't act on that now. So, I am powerless over food. There are certain foods that I cannot take into my system, right? Sugar is one of those, you know, processed sugar. But if I look at the second part of the first step, remember, food's only mentioned in the very first part of the first step and 12 steps. So food is not really the problem. That's a strange thing to say about an eating disorder, but it really isn't. And this is just for me. The problem is here. It's centered in my mind. It's my thinking it's the way I react to people. It's the way I, I look at life and I look at the world around me. And I have to change that thinking. But I'm pretty powerless over my thinking. I would actually change the steps and put powerless over my thinking. Because I am. So, when my thinking is alcoholic, my life gets unmanageable. So, when I come into a meeting and I start judging you, and I look at your recovery... And I judge you, and that's a, t a defect of my character. It's wrong. And it makes my life unmanageable. And it makes me feel bad about myself, the way that I've treated and judged you. And I feel horrible about it. And I want to come and apologize to you and make amends for it. And so, you know, that's the way that I look at step one. It makes my life unmanageable when I'm not thinking loving thoughts about you. And, you know, my, my sponsor teaches me this, and it happened today. I was in the supermarket today, and I was doing my shopping, and, you know, I was putting in, I, I put in some, you know, watermelon, and I put in two cartons, because I love watermelon. And I walked to the other, other area of the supermarket, and I thought, I don't need to, I'll just... And I took the watermelon out, and I put it in the dairy section miles away from the other side of the... Because I didn't want to go and walk all the way back and put it where I got it from. And I stopped myself. And I thought, somebody's going to have to walk all the way over to the other side of the supermarket and take that back. That's not the way I should be behaving. Just little things like that. And I took it all the way back. And it made me feel better about myself. I take my cart back. All right? I open the door for ladies. I don't, if somebody wants to get in front of me, go in front of me. You know, when I'm on the freeway, if you want to tailgate me, fine. That's okay. You'll get around me. And it just makes my life a lot more peaceful. And I do that on a daily basis and I apply it in the principles in all of my affairs or I try to apply the principles in all of my affairs so that's step one that I know that when my thinking starts going alright my life gets very unmanageable and it takes me on to step two came to believe in a power greater than myself that could restore me to sanity 
the evidence is standing right in front of you there's miracles in this room 300 pound man hopeless going nowhere three years on it's a miracle what's happened to me I'm living I'm in the game of life I've got a great job I'm dating now it's amazing who would want to date me that's what my head tells me okay you know all these things have happened in my life changed so that you know because of this power alright and I have to have hope the principle behind the second step is hope I've got to have hope and when I come to OA meetings I share hope I share positively every OA meeting I go to because I see the, the lack of hope in a lot of my fellows because I know the pain they're in and I try and do that in every meeting I go to I try and share in just about every single OA meeting I go to and I share, I share my struggles you heard my last night you heard me really struggling with this fourth step and again today but there is hope that if I do it if I do that inventory I can get on to step 5 and then step 6 and 7 and all the way to 12 and that will take me to freedom freedom from the obsession of this addictive mind so still on two you know I have hope there is a great power at work in my life and um, you know I was listening to somebody last night and I thought it was rather interesting she was talking about you know in the morning I take a whole hour and I close my bedroom door and I pray and I meditate I cannot do that I'm sorry (laughs) I can't do it you know so I take my God with me I get up and I get on my knees in the morning but you know life's pretty busy but God doesn't stay back at my apartment because I've been on my knees for five minutes he comes with me and I bring this loving living God into my life and I've actually pulled my car over on a Monday morning on the 405 and come off and got on my knees because I've been really nervous about the day ahead of me and that's what I do I have to bring him into my life in everything that I do and, I, and it's quite a discipline and it's, it's getting better and better before it be, you know, there'd be, you know, a whole morning without going to the power, without going to God. Now it's not. Now it's maybe an hour. And so, you know, I bring this God into my life all the time. And that takes me on to step three. Made a decision to turn my will and my life over to the care of God. Is that's the hardest step for me? It's the hardest step. All right, because I have this ego that wants to be in charge. You know, I've got it going on now. You know, I've lost the weight, making the money, live on the west side. I've got it going on. Yeah, I just need to open that album and look back at where I was a few years ago and that brings my ego crashing down. Crashing down. Thank God for those pictures, I tell you. I look at them every day. Remind me of the pain that I was in. So, what does it mean by I made a decision to turn my will and my life? And this is how I've interpreted it. You know, it's to have faith. Faith isn't an emotion to me, alright? Faith is something that you build, you know, and you build it on the experience in your life as it gets better and better and better. And if you work the 12 steps and you come to meetings and you be of service and you start giving back, and that's what I try and do, not always very well, but I try and do it with all my heart, my life has got better and better and better. And I have to write down every day what I'm grateful for and what is going on in my life. And even the problems that I have in my life today, I turn them into a positive by the steps. So faith is being built all the time. You know, last year was quite a year for me. You know, and I look back and it, my sponsor said, look back at last year. You know, a lot of pressure at work, a lot of stress at work. You know, I had a major surgery in December that I'm still recovering from. And, um, you know, I'm going to talk about that. And, uh, 
you know, a lot of pressure. You know, and I've got more stress and pressure in my life today than I've ever had, ever. And I'm the happiest I've ever been because of the 12 steps and Overeaters Anonymous. Uh, It's incredible. It's incredible what's happened to me and what will happen to you as well if you work this program. No half measures. So, I made a decision to turn my will of my life over to the care of God. That, to me, means... God, help me in my thinking and my actions. Right? It's not just, to, here is, here's my life, get on with it. It doesn't work for me. And I have to say, when I'm like judging you, and I'm feeling resentful about you, I have to say, God, is that the way you want me to behave? Is that the man that you want me to be? Is that the man, the character that I want to be? And I don't, in my heart, I really want to be a good person. A kind person, a loving person, a caring person. I'm not where I want to be yet but I'm trying really hard with all my heart. I'm really trying hard. And uh, God's not turned his back on me. He's never turned his back on me. And he's, he's there, he's here, right here and now with me. And he, when I was sitting in the car before I came in, I was nervous coming in here tonight, because it brings up a lot of emotion. I don't know, if Lucy, if you can remember the last time I came here, Lucy had to pass me tissues every five minutes. That's great improve, improvement, right, Lucy? And um, so that's what I have to do I have to keep turning my, my will and my life over to the care of God and I just want to talk about how I apply it in my life and there's a couple of things we're talking about judgmental and I was, I was invited to speak at an OA meeting uh, a couple of Fridays ago in South Central and I went and I walked into this like kind of little dingy church room in South Central I don't know if you've been to that meeting and there was, uh, there was three uh, African American women uh, in the room, and all three of them were, were probably 250 pounds and above, right? And my head told me, "What am I doing here on a Friday night? I need to be having a good time. I've got it going on. I live on the West Side, right?" <laughs> and I stopped myself there and then, and I went, "God, is that the way you want me to be? Is that God? Is that how you want me to think? No, it's not. Sit down." And I'm t- this is what's going on in my head. Sit down and you share what it was like and give them some hope. And it was the best OA meeting I've ever been to. At the end of that meeting, the four of us were in floods of tears. All four of us. Right? And it doesn't matter whether you're a different culture, religion, whatever race. Right? We're all bonded together because we share this terrible disease, this affliction. And I shared about how I felt trapped in this body. This 300 pound body and I talked about the isolation and this woman next to me just burst into tears. And she said, that, that's the way I feel. And we went around the room, we shared and we didn't even use the timer, we just carried, shared all the way through. And they were talking about how they battled the weight, you know, their entire lives and their isolation. And they think, they just think like me, they thought exactly the same way. You know, they were talking about all these defects and all the rest of it. And all three of these women are, are really trying hard. That was the best away meeting. I came away from that meeting feeling fantastic, you know. And so some of these meetings that I go into, you know, where, where people are struggling the most, I get the best from them. You know, I get the absolute best from them. Another way I've applied it into my life, um, I had to do something recently that was very hard. Um, in my job, I, I'm managing a lot more people now. And, and when I first joined the company... Uh, you know, I was working with a guy that became really good friends with me, and uh, I ended up being his boss. 
Um, but he took a lot of advantage of that and uh, he was not performing and um, he started padding in his expenses and doing some other things and I had to fire him and I was not looking forward to it because I knew a lot about this guy and um, he was really struggling financially as a home and everything and I knew that if he'd lose his job there was a good chance he was going to lose his house and I prayed and prayed about it and I spoke to my sponsor and you know, there was just too much there to keep him and you know, before I don't know what I would have done with it but um, you know, and it went through all the legalities at work and they said absolutely you have to do, your, do the right thing here this is not right what he's doing and so when I, at the day of it I shared it a week before I shared in a meeting about it and I was really really nervous about it I was really upset about it and uh, you know it was hard and so what I did I carried my big book everywhere and I carried my St. Francis prayer and when I was about to fire him I'd said uh, the St. Francis prayer and I kept it in my pocket and when I was talking to him I had it in my hand because the power was with me and I did it with compassion and I did it the right way and my boss at the end said that was perfectly you were professional, you were compassionate and this is not your fault what happened you know and he took it in a bad way but it had to be done and that's how it gets me through the trials of life you know this is how it gets me through these, these, these trials that I have that we all have you know all these trials and, and problems and stresses that we have that's life isn't it wonderful we've got a way of getting through it all and being happy and usefully whole in the, day in the day we're in and then the fourth step I've told you about that today you know I'm working on the fourth step again and it's hard it's really really very hard and uh, you know it's, it's bringing up a lot of pain yeah it's bringing up a lot of pain but um you know, I go back to God and ask Him for willingness to help me see me through this fourth step and uh, reface the, the past and, um, you know, work this program with all my heart. Because I can't go back to the way I was, it was terrible. And uh, these tears are of joy, to be honest, because I look at my life today and I thank God every day for what He's given me. It's amazing. It's amazing what's happened to me. Yeah, this afternoon was painful. I want to share this with you while I'm on the fourth step. That's the second time I've done it. And I went back to the UK. Uh, I've been back twice now. And I, I did my nine step there 18 months ago. And then I went again for my mother's birthday. And when I went back, people were amazed at the way I looked. And the way I am now. Uh, it's angry, resentful, bitter. That's why, it keeps, that's why I keep doing, doing what I'm doing. Because of the miracles that have happened in my life. And... Um, I ask God why He's given me these gifts. And uh, He's given me these gifts to give back. And there's a reason why I've ended up coming here to Los Angeles. It's the, the strangest thing how I ended up here. And even stranger how I ended up in this room, sitting at the back of that room there. 
and he's given me these gifts to give back and I uh, I have the utmost compassion for you all and I talk to you every day and I hear your struggles and when I put the phone down I cry because it reminds me of my own pain but there's, a, there's great hope here there's amazing hope and I tell people that and I share this hope with you that there's a way out this dark tunnel to a life beyond your wildest dreams and I tell that to people and I was talking to somebody yesterday and she called me it was nine, nine, ten past nine in the morning I was in a meeting at work and I, I took the call from her and she was going I'm going to kill myself I can't go on and I went out of the room and I was talking to her and I went, no, you know, this is your mind, your damaged mind's telling you things that are just aren't so. You know, it's just not so. You know, you come to meetings and you, you do service and I said, you know, just get on your knees and say a prayer and um, things will get better in the next few hours. And she called me back about three or four hours later and she was much happier. What power that is. That's God coming in. We all help each other, don't we? You know, we've got a solution. We're here to help each other. And I do believe God takes human form. You know, I listen to some speakers and I, it's God talking through him and her. And I feel such power when I come in these meetings. It's incredible. You know, absolute power. I don't really know where I'm going with this. I, I just asked God to help me say something. I, I didn't think I was going to get upset. And... Um, so I think what I'm trying to share to you is a lot of hope and a lot of gratitude. And I do really try and apply these principles. I, I fall short. And nobody can be more critical of me than me. But I'm powerless over these shortcomings and defects of character as well. And I ask God to remove them. And my favorite prayer is the seven-step prayer. It's my favorite prayer. And I say it, I say it about 12 times a day. And he has given me opportunities to do good. And that's why I think I am the way I am today. You know, there has been some really great experiences working with people in the program and, and, seeing, and seeing them get better. And that helps me as well. And so, uh, moving on through the steps. You know, the fifth step, I did it once before. and That was, that was great. It was fantastic. I did it over... A, Dolores' diner. Every time I drive past Dolores' diner, I think about the fifth step doing it with Walter. It was amazing. And then six and seven, you know, that's really, you know, willingness. I really don't want to be the way I am before. I didn't like the person I was, you know. And I, Six and seven, you know, there's a lot of prayer involved in there. And eight, you know, I made my list of persons. And nine, I can't wait to do my nine step again. It's my favorite step. Liberation. You know, going and standing in front of people and making amends, not apologising. And I went back to the UK to do, to do this. And one of the things I had to do was with a cousin who I'd taken money from and, and before I came to America and not paid him back. And, uh, you know, I'd, I'd really abused his hospitality. And I went back to Scotland to do it. And I was really nervous. I was sitting outside his house and I, I prayed about it before I went in. And he opened the door and I thought he'd just slammed the door in my face, you know. And uh, he didn't. He welcomed me and his wife and, and I put the money on the table 
and, uh, and I salute. I'm not here to make an apology. I'm here to make amends. And I tell people I'm in a program because I have an eating disorder, a 12-step program of recovery. And part of this recovery is to make amends to you. I'm very honest about that. And he went, that's fantastic. You know, it, 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 that was the reaction I got from everybody, you know. And, uh, you know, I remember waving to him on the way out and he died three months later. Imagine if I hadn't done that. That's God. Absolutely. You know? Um, and I, I, you know, I've got more amends to make. You know, my sister's out in Australia and I, I didn't do that the first time. And I know I need to do that this time. And uh, I'm really looking forward to doing that. Why? Clearing away the wreckage of the past so I can live in the day that I'm in. And you know, today, today, I don't. I have such excitement about the future now. I try and live in the day that I'm in. But, you know, I just think God's got such plans for us all. <laughs> Amazing plans, you know. I get really excited going to 12-step meetings. I can't wait for them, you know. I go to one just about every day. You know, Sunday mornings, I'm like, yeah, I'm going over to West Hollywood. I'm going to hang out with the bulimics, you know. They're cool people, I love them, yeah. Friday night with the I'm with, Friday night with the compulsive guys. That's great. Saturday night with the Alkies. That's even better. You know? So we're not a glum lot. So you know, I kind of run. You know, oh and ten. I do take personal inventory every day, and I, I tend to be making mistakes at work, and I'm having to apologise to people and make amends. And you know, it's early days yet, and my sponsor said, you know, just keep working this program. But I, I'm becoming a lot more of a compassionate man to work with. And before, you know, when I, before I was really hard on people that reported to me. I was like, come on, you know, checking the numbers all the time, working in a sales environment, and uh, you know. I found that when I pray and I, I pray for them and I, my interaction with them now is a lot more compassionate. They work a lot harder when you're like that. <laughs> and my relationships with them have improved greatly, you know. And so I do try and take, apply these principles in all of my affairs. I really do. And then 11 is the very, very powerful step, you know. I can't really meditate. I, I meditate when I run. I do a lot of running. And I've just started back running after my surgery. I ran this afternoon in the rain. I love it. it my mind clears. And I pray while I run. You know, and, and, and I, it's amazing. You know, you're out and I'm running. And it, it's fantastic. You know, running has brought me such great relief. Exercise is amazing relief. And um, 12... Having had a spiritual awakening, have I have I've definitely had a spiritual awakening to carry this message. The sponsorship hasn't—I haven't been that successful sponsoring people, so I think. Um, but I do get asked to speak at a lot of meetings, and I, I do share every meeting, and I, I do service at a lot of meetings. And I think where I'm at at this moment in time in my recovery is to just keep sharing hope, and you know. When I get through the steps this time, I think that will make me a, a much better sponsor. I made a lot of mistakes with people the first time around. It was very hard on people. I st stood on toes and, and I couldn't understand why people bit back at me. And I, I understand that now. And uh, So I did make mistakes and uh, you know, I made amends to, to some of my sponsees. And uh, It's not so much that I, I'm hard on them. It's that I'm very scared of the disease and I see it in them. And I think it's going to come back.
but it won't come back as long as I stay close and do this program it won't come back I have absolute faith in that but if I start wandering away and my ego kind of takes me away so I'm very scared of the ego but as long as I keep close things will work out so I'm going to finish up and just say uh, you know, I don't think there are uh, congratulations on your, your abstinence and I know um, you know, I really hope you find what I find in here and you know, I like going to that Hollywood, West Hollywood meeting because there's so many newcomers every week at that, isn't there? And I just try and try and share a lot of hope at that meeting. And that, you know, if you keep coming to this and you you really, with sincerity in your heart, really try and become a new character, and don't beat yourself up when you fall back into the old character. Because if we would just take a pill and become this great new person, we wouldn't bother coming, would we? Right? You know, we're not saints. It says it in our book. So if we just keep working at this and just keep trying to give as much as we can, then life gets incredible. I think that's really all God wants me to say now. I've got five minutes left, so I'll I'll leave it at that. Thanks for letting me share. Question time? Oh no. Lucy, over to you. Um, Now that you're dating... Is there anything you're learning about yourself or about your program that's come up while you're dating? Yes, it, now I'm dating, I've learned a lot about myself. Yeah. Um, so the girl I'm dating at the moment's not in program. She doesn't know anything about my uh, my disease. Um, it's very early days in that. Um, what I've caught myself at times is uh, this happened the other day. I've shared it in a meeting. Everybody burst out laughing. She was texting me. We text each other all day. It's quite funny, really. And uh, she said, uh, I'll call you at four o'clock. And I went, okay. And it was like 20 past five. And I'm like, alcoholic mind. She's not called me. That's it. (laughs) Need to find a new girlfriend. Alcoholism, right? And and she texted me and said, why didn't you call me at four (laughs) o'clock? So it was me. And so what I'm learning from there is just just to enjoy it and just be in the day that you're in and not to believe what this damaged mind is telling me because it's just not right I don't believe what my mind tells me I have to go to the power and that's where I go to step 3 so I do steps 1, 2 and 3 all the time so when my mind when I start getting kind of in that you know kind of alcoholic thinking I go back to step 3 and go right God I need you to control my thinking now because this isn't right that's not right when I'm thinking and then things get nice and calm again does that answer your question? Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much, Michael. What do you do in the nighttime when it's, you can't call anybody, or you can you call somebody, and you want to eat, you can't sleep, and you want to eat? What do you do? So the question from Lisa is late at night when I'm on my own um, and I want to eat, and there's nobody around to call, what do I do? You know, honestly, Lisa, um, I, I, I don't have too many problems at night. I'm just, I've got to be honest with you. Not with food, but I have problems with loneliness at night. And so um, my sponsors are kind of the, goes to bed at 9 o'clock. So um, I do actually pray. Um, there's a difference between being lonely and being, being with God, right? So you can be alone, but you can be with your power, and you're not lonely. So I do actually pray. I do evening time is a time when I do pray. I get in my bedroom and I get on my knees. If I'm really feeling bad, I'll make a lot of outreach calls and people have picked up. 
Um, so I do have a lot of people in my address book. So when things have got really bad, uh, I do pray. Uh, it's stressful times. Uh, this has happened recently as well. I've not been able to sleep at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm wide awake. And I'll get, get straight out of bed and on my knees. And go, God, I need you now. I need you right here and now. I need to get some sleep. I'm not kidding you, Lisa. I get back in bed and I go to sleep. It's what happens. The power comes into my life. You mentioned a little bit when you were speaking about your surgery. How did your program help you with your surgery? That's a funny story and I wish you hadn't asked me one minute to go. Because when I woke up from my general anesthetic, I was saying the serenity prayer. That's, isn't that, and the two nurses were going, what what are you doing? And I I woke up, and I was saying it, and they thought I was just kind of like completely out of it. And I went, I'm saying a prayer, and they both looked at me really strange. (laughs) Really strange. But I was nervous before I went under the knife, and the surgeon, I remember they were just, they were putting the thing in my arm, and I I was going, God, I need you now. Just help me wake up. God, can you be with me now? And then I woke up and I was saying that prayer and I filled up perfectly. Thank you very much. Thank you.